Hello, and welcome to episode four of Adventuring for Mere Mortals. It's Kyle, and we have Trevor here, and uh, Alex Aldecoa, the uh, marketing director for Air Water Sports, and say hello. Hello. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> Alex and I met on a flight back from Denver to Boise. Want to tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, how you got into water sports? <laughs> Sure. Yeah, we can jump right in. Um, <laughs> like you said, my name's Alex Aldecoa. Um, I'm the art and marketing director for Air and Outcast Sporting Gear, which is a fly fishing brand as well. Um, you know, I've been in Boise for probably 13 years now. I moved here mm. to go to school, you know, go BSU. <laughs> um, <laughs> came down and just haven't left. Um, grew up, you know, being outdoorsy with my family. Um, playing soccer, camping, hiking, rafting, you know, the whole bit. Um, obviously, I'm super into rafting now, skiing, um, whether it's like resort or backcountry, as well as um, kind of getting back into mountain biking, hot springs, yes. adventure situation, you know, total Idaho girl. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of stumbled into rafting a little bit. Obviously, we got spoiled growing up that we got to go on a few rafting adventures, you know, week-long trips with um, the company I ended up guiding for, Mackie Wilderness River Trips. And um, one of the owners is a really good family friend. So she, as soon as I turned 18, was kind of pressuring me to come out and be a guide and <laughs> finally swooped me up about, I think I was 21. And she did the whole thing. You don't have to row a bow. I just need you to come out and be a kid wrangler. And I was like, a kid wrangler? So basically, I was just the fancy nanny on the river, which was great. And it was the funnest experience ever. And, you know, all of a sudden, you go one, two trips like that. And then all of a sudden, we need another guide. You're on the oars. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um, so super fun. Um, obviously had to jump right in and learn, but um, when the opportunity arised to air for a graphic designer, um, which I had gone to school for, it was kind of like a no brainer to mix something I was passionate about um, and make a career out of it. And then obviously, you know, graphic designer turned into running the show in the marketing department. Wow. <laughs> no, that, that's awesome. Like being able to do what you love and actually get paid for it. That's always great, right? Yeah, it's yeah. it's rare for somebody to be able to say that. And I'm fortunate as well as one of my best friends from college. You know, she, she had a love of, of beer and she mm -hmm. ended up, you know, finding a great guy and they now own one of the, a, the big brewery here in Boise, Payette. And so it's kind of fun that, you know, uh, us two found, you know, our passions and then found careers that we could push and be happy and, you know, create a living because who would have thought I could technically be a rafter the rest of my life and get paid better than a river guide salary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Kyle, it's been about oh, about a month or so since we since we at least talked and recorded. So uh, what have you been up to, man? Uh, let's see. I went and got invited on a Teton ski trip in Targi. The sad news is 
that we haven't had much snow lately, but they did get about a foot of powder, but I missed it by about 12 Ooh. hours. Yep. If I would have gone the night before, I would have been up there crushing it. But whenever I got there, it was a little choppy. Good times. Um, it was actually clear. That was that was nice. Yeah. And then uh, after that, went down to Phoenix, uh, hung out, enjoyed spring there, warmer temperatures, and then came back and decided, well, might as well get in one more ski trip. So went to Soldier and... <laughs> That was a questionable life decision. Um, it was mostly dirt. Um, the conditions were rated as thin. And it was, I think they had written on the board, if it isn't groomed, it'll ski like crap. And even the groom didn't ski that great. But uh, <laughs> you know what? Got it done. After I got that, I was feeling motivated. And um, someone reached out to me and it's like, hey. We've got a, a really fun race you should sign up for. It's it's gonna fill up in an hour, and it's the uh, Alex. It's the race Roby to Roby. Creek. Yep, the- <laughs> that one's brutal. Yep. So I accidentally <laughs> signed up for a half marathon. <laughs> I feel like it's like one of the toughest half marathons around. I think is that how they like market it, don't they? I don't know. It looked like a good time. It's brutal. <laughs> Anytime someone says, hey, I have a, this fun race you should sign up for, that usually means it's brutal, though, right? Other than that, not a whole lot. Yeah, that sounds a lot like mine. Not a whole lot. I'm, as I mentioned in the last episode, I had surgery on my ACL. So it's slowly, slowly coming along. I'm, um, I'm off my, out of my brace and off my crutches, but it's just, it's just slow. Like... You just have to completely teach your quad how to be a quad again. So it's a lot of PT and my walk around, I get my, it just gets tired at the end of the day, like every day, just very small improvements every, every day. So yeah, that's, that's moving along and yeah, I've been doing a lot of adult stuff. So sold the house I'm currently in right now, it closes in a few days and it's all be out of that. And then I'll live like a, a nomadic lifestyle for about a month until the house in normal or actually it's technically Bloomington um, when we close on that. So my wife and kids will be going up there and then I'll be hanging out here in Louisiana bumming, uh, bumming a room off, off a guy I work with um, for about a month before I go up. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's exciting. It's stressful, but yeah, very adult things, but yeah, I'm just kind of, I've been, scanning Instagram, just trying to see what adventures everybody else are up to, because I'm not going to get to do very much, very much exciting for a good another uh, five, six months, at least before I, well, I I think I can start running again in in like a month and a half, maybe they told me. So I'm looking forward to that because I'm just like sitting around. But yeah, Alex, you've been doing anything exciting lately? Didn't you go on a trip? (laughs) I've been on a few trips since I saw you. <laughs> I got back from Denver, um, was home for a few days, and then went skiing in Salt Lake. Um, we did Snowbird and Alta and Solitude. Um, went to a jazz game, then came back for a couple days, and then went to Mexico for eight days with the fam, and uh, which was super fun, but you get into that you know, you wake up and you start drinking and 
at like 7 a.m. and you don't stop, you go to bed at like 11. So I definitely am in detox mode this week. Um, you know, so rolled in. I think I got back last Wednesday night or Thursday. Um, and then, you know, chose to kind of have a mellow weekend. That's probably smart. <laughs> travels coming up. So trying to get a few more ski trips in before everything really goes away. Yeah, supposedly last weekend was was amazing. Uh, I had a bunch of people from Jackson area and then uh, the twin area that was that that went skiing, and they were like, "There's powder." Yeah, I had a coworker that went to Salt Lake, and he they skied a couple. Of, they think they did powder and um, snowbird, and they were like, "It was awesome." I mean, we had like a couple inches when we got there. Um, the skiing was fine but it was just really cold i think it was negative 10 when we skied that friday at alton wow. snowbird um so even with like my fancy heated sacks it's so chilly <laughs> negative 10 that doesn't like i've been down in louisiana too long negative 10 doesn't even like compute for me anymore like when it gets down to like mid-20s people lose their minds around here like everybody's water lines freeze it's crazy. oh yeah I bet. Can't handle that anymore. I'm <laughs> have to get used to it moving up to middle Illinois. It gets maybe not negative 10 a lot, but it does get cold. It will be cold. It'll get to single digits. Yeah. It'll be brisk. Yeah. I mean, if like since I went to school in uh, Chicago, it, if memory serves, it takes me about a year to, or like one good winter to get really get used to the cold again, but then, then it's, it's a piece of cake. <laughs> yeah. I think. Uh, that's about time to get into our main topic. So, yeah, Alex, you kind of gave your background a little bit and how you got into rafting. Um, we're going to kind of kind of delve in. So, like, what is it about rafting that really draws you to rafting? Like, just the, the fun, the adventure? I mean, yes, ideally. Um, to me, rafting is a sport that, you know, takes all aspects of a person like you have to be very mentally strong as well as you have to be able to make decisions relatively quickly. You have to be able to read water. It, there's a lot more to it than people think. Um, you know, people will watch me or others, you know, row a boat down a class three, four rapid, and then they want to try on the flat section. And they're like, wow, you make this look really easy. Cause it really is. It's something you have to, you know, you're using your brain to f propel this boat, you know, telling your arms what to do. <laughs> um, things like that. Um, but it's just, there's always new challenges and there's always ways, not necessarily to make it harder, but there's new rivers to try. There's, you know, different classes. There's, um, you know, going from rafting into a kayak or vice versa and things like that. Like, I just feel like there's always something to learn or going with new people. You learn different techniques and different tricks and, um, I personally enjoy being in the wilderness where you get to disconnect and mm -hmm. not have to worry about the stresses of every day. You know, you're worried about, you know, how long is it going to take you to get to camp so you can have that first beer? You know, yeah. so, <laughs> like, do I set up my tent tonight or do you stick with the cot, you know, under the stars, which is usually mm -hmm. what I do. But, you know, it just it, the life is just easy. Yes prepping for the trips and, you know, getting prepared and getting all the gear, you know, is 
daunting and overwhelming, but once you're out there and kind of settled, um, it's just good for your soul. It's a way to, you know, just go and disconnect and, you know, regather everything and come back refreshed and, you know, better for everybody that gets to be around you for the next few weeks. <laughs> I like that a lot. Like I'm not, I've went rafting like maybe three times in my entire life, but I have, I see something very similar in myself for hiking. Like mm-hmm. it's like my recharge. Like I've mentioned it previously that if I don't go like be outside for a long period of time, I get really grouchy. Like I'm starting to get grouchy now because I'm not able to like go out. So I'm trying to like, moderate that a little bit in my head so I'm, I'm not just a pain to be around <laughs> yeah no the stir craziness is definitely real <laughs> yeah. definitely <clears throat> you mentioned that the the preparation can be stressful but what does that entail um it kind of depends obviously you know going out for a day trip you just gotta remember to bring your pump and a cooler of beer and snacks and whatever, um, and your friends. Um, but when it comes to more, I don't really do weekend trips. A lot of the trips I do are multi-days, um, specifically those that you have to draw permits for. Um, and when you're going into like the backcountry and, you know, a protected wilderness, um, like the Frank church, for example, there's things that are required. So you have this, this packing list essentially where you have to have a fire pan, you have to have, you know, your groovers, which are like your portable toilets or whatever, you know, you're packing in and out. So you have to have like essentially ammo can stuff to, you know, smash glass. And if you happen to bring glass, which we, you know, kind of frown upon that, but sometimes you can't avoid it, Um, (laughs) you know? And so I feel like to prep for a trip like that, you know, probably a couple weeks to a month in advance, where you're making sure your guest list that can be up to, I think, 26 people, you know, everybody has a boat, they have a frame, they have dry boxes, they have coolers. And then collectively, you kind of um, decide how many coolers you have, who's going to be responsible for what meals, um, or if one person's, you know, prepping, they'll go to the store, gather all the food, things like that. Um, And then personal gear, I feel like doing it as long as I have personal gear is easy. (laughs) Um, I probably plan that out maybe the week of, Mm because it's like I have, you know, a couple of drawers that have all my rafting clothes, right? So you go to that and just throw them down, make sure you grab a couple extra things here and there for, you know, gear for friends, just in case somebody forgets a rain jacket or, you know, something that's like an oversight in July, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think preparation overall, it's dependent upon how long and what kind of gear you need. Like, I know I haven't done the grand Canyon, but I have friends who have, who have, and I have friends that have prepped for their entire trip that took them a few months because, you know, they're Mm -hmm. drying food Mm -hmm. and prepackaging and things like that. But then yet, you know, other friends that they make sure their boat and stuff's ready and, you know, their frames measured and they just um, worked with a company that pre-did all of their food for them. So when they got to, you know, down there, they just opened their coolers and everything was just thrown kind of in. Ooh, but, very nice. Wow. Yeah, which I think is the way to go if I'm going to do it. Oh. <laughs> I'll <see> my food. <laughs> all the other gear. 
do you have to worry about weight? Yes and no. Um, obviously whatever you're comfortable rowing, um, is kind of how heavy your boat is. Obviously boats can only hold so much. So depending on the size of your raft and whatnot, you know, it might be in the water a little too much for you. Um, you also have to think about water level, um, at low water, you obviously don't want a really, really heavy boat because you'll be catching on every single rock on the bottom of that river. So you'll be having to get out and stand and wiggle and push and pull and it's not fun. So definitely, I mean, it does matter. Um, but it's dependent. Again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It sounds like everything's dependent, right? <laughs> Another question that will be highly dependent on where you're boating, but I think the, the view of like rafting out in the, in the world is that it's like a, a risky sport. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of how do you feel about that is it really risky is it scary or is it kind of overblown I mean I think there's this weird stigma behind it because there have been deaths in whitewater and you know especially in Idaho it's more I, I mean <laughs> we've had quite a few deaths on local rivers outside of Boise. Um, and those people, unfortunately, or fortunately, were very experienced boaters that just, it, it was a fluke type situation, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think overall in any water sport or any sport in general, it can be risky. So it's just kind of the perspective behind rafting that kind of has this weird, like, ooh, is it scary, is it not? Um, I agree that whitewater can be scary and it can be daunting to, to not know that whole idea of I'm going to hit this rapid. And if it doesn't go right, I'm going to swim, but can I make it through, you know, you know, this, that, and the other. Um, but I think it's important for people to like do their research and go with people that they trust and go with people that are experienced and that, you know, can kind of vibe off you and ease your mind and kind of, that you feel open with expressing these concerns or worries. And mm -hmm. um, obviously, you know, something that helps too is just educating yourself more. I mean, there's plenty of resources that you can, you kind of learn about whitewater. Um, lots of documentaries lately, um, mostly kayaking related, but still white in the whitewater spectrum that kind of, you know, opens your eyes to the community itself and how, um, most everybody in the community promotes safety and, you know, wearing your life jacket, you know, wearing a helmet, if it's, if you're in a kayak or you're paddle boating or things like that, you know, big water. But I mean, if you're going with somebody that you trust and is experienced, they should never put you in a situation where you're scared. Um, is kind of how I feel. No, I, I like that. And it sounds like it's, it's, knowing and understanding the risk and planning for what you can control some things you can't like anytime you're out in the outdoors there's always things you can't control but yeah planning just as knowing much that as you there's can. like just knowing that there's a potential for something to happen but not letting that like consume you so much you know i think i'm in the mindset where um, i'm really big into scary things are what make you grow as an individual so yeah. doing those scary things and pushing yourself, you know, obviously within boundaries or limits, like knowing that 
yes, this might be scary to you, but I trust the person on the oars or I trust the person that's leading me through this, that, you know, they're going to take care of me or it's going to be safer. Um, I think, I mean, doing the scary things helps you grow. So unless you do yeah. the scary things, you're never going to know if it's worth it or not. Trevor and I haven't, haven't been rafting much. You know, I've, I've done it a few times with friends, but the, the key thing was it was with a guide. They were very experienced. Um, and there was that trust factor and it was, you know, that's what made it a fun experience. Um, but what also made it fun for me was to just watch them operate and their, you know, efficiency. And one thing that really stuck with me is whenever we would come up to a rapid or something, him reading the water. Mm-hmm. How long did it take you to kind of develop that skill? <laughs> um, I wish I could say I could learn to read water like instantly. It's definitely a a, a learned skill and it's obviously different. Um, men read water a little different than females do. Um, obviously we both can read it the same way and know like, okay, this is, there's the tongue and you know, you're kind of going to go this way, this way, that way. Um, but females like me not being as strong as a male, like I wish I could say I could (laughs) push that boat exactly where I wanted to be when I wanted it, but I'm just not as strong as a man is. Right. And so I learned to read the water a little bit differently, um, where I can use the water to my advantage. Um, which is helpful. Obviously, when I first started learning to guide, um, I was learning from men. And then um, I had two great mentors, which are a really great girl named Allie Rude, who is probably strong as any man, as well as like my best friend and cousin, Kelly. And those two ladies were out there guiding for Mackie before I was. And coming and watching them and just being able to experience and feel confident in, you know, the fact that girls can do this and having these women encourage me and be like, just because you're not as strong as that man doesn't mean you can't get that boat where it needs to be, you know, use that slack water, use that eddy line to kind of pull you in or, you know, make the move earlier instead of pushing the boat forward, turn it and start back rowing because you're going to be a lot stronger pulling than you are pushing you know so it was it was good to have the females that I did to show me that you know you it's okay to make a mistake you know but you are strong you do have talent you can read the water but at the same time it's also good having those men or you know guys kind of pushing you to get better stronger faster quicker (laughs) you know, keep up and um, kind of get tough. I mean, being a river guide, you're out there for six, seven days at a time and you're dealing with, I mean, usually there's six guides and 24 guests. So you're, I mean, you're out there with people that might not have ever camped before, or, you know, you're taking care of all these people and you're putting their tents up, you're cooking them breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You're, you know, hanging out with their kids hanging out in the campfire, things like that. So you get put into these situations where you kind of have to take a leadership role. And if you are going to be kind of a sheep, you're going to get eaten a little bit. It's not going to work very well, right? (laughs) Yeah. You're you're just, one, you have to 
basically be able to hold your own with these boys who, you know, want you to prove yourself because if you don't, you're just going to be probably not on the next trip, unfortunately, mm -hmm. which is terrible. But, you know, if you can prove that you're willing to work hard and you are willing to learn and things like that, it, it, it definitely is helpful. I don't know. Like Question. you mentioned, you mentioned other like a lot of the guide guides that you've you've had to deal with. I feel like, at least in the public view of reference, it's kind of like a male-dominated sport. Mm -hmm. um, how do you think, or do you know of any ways that we could get more uh, women into the sport? Because I think having more diversity in the outdoors is always a great thing. You know, rafting is, and I mean for as long as I've been a part of it, definitely male dominated. Um, and I look at, you know, my coworkers who I boat with and I think there's a, you know, couple of us that are females, the rest are males. Um, you know, when it comes to getting more ladies in the sport, I think it's just important to be a resource. And I mean, that's always hard. I mean, you don't have a ton of female rafters to look up to. Um, there's a lot of female kayakers, but mm -hmm you know, are doing amazing, rad things um, that have definitely opened the eyes to a lot of people in whitewater. But rafting's just not as talked about, I guess, in that sense um, for females. So I think, um, yeah, just being a resource, you know, a, being that person for somebody who's interested to offer advice, give suggestions, lend gear, um, you know, go with them, guide them, teach them. Um, it's just, I think it's super important to like help foster that and make them feel welcome. Um, and by going with them, you're going to, you know, help with their personal growth and their confidence on the river and, you know, being that person that's teaching them how to be safe on the water. And, um, you know, obviously another good thing is to start getting people involved when they're younger. Um, obviously not everybody has the experiences that I was fortunate to have growing up and getting to go on rafting trips. But, you know, I feel like as there's more females joining into the outdoor industry and rafting itself, you know, you think about like, if I have kids, I'm going to want my kids to go on the river. So it's like, I'm going to want to teach my daughter, you know, that you are strong, you know, that you can do this, you can row a boat, you know, things like that. So, um, I mean, just trying to work together, um, as much as you can. I do think, um, I think you guys on your out, the outline said something about like the companies. Yeah. Or other things. Um, and it triggered um, Kaylee Hutchinson, who works with Rafting Magazine. They're doing a really good job right now where they started a ladies paddling team where they're promoting and like fostering this growth um, um, for I think they have two or three teenage girls right now on their team and obviously looking and wanting more and potentially having these grow into different cities um, since they're mainly California based. Um, but I think they're doing a good job at getting these girls out on the water, helping them with kind of like their swift water training and safety stuff. Um, 
teaching them new techniques, helping them learn to read water in a different way. Um, I just think it's like a super exciting program to kind of just open people's eyes that, I mean, a 15 year old can go out and kick your butt on a California river. <laughs> like, yeah, that's awesome. You know? So I think, yeah. I think I should probably just stop talking. No, 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 that's <laughs> great. <laughs> but, we know um, nothing. So, yeah, we know, yeah, I know. Right. I just feel like I'm going in circles like, yeah, ladies' power. Woo. No, that, that's great. Um, so a little bit ago, you mentioned like I'm sharing gear uh, with uh, with other ladies. Has it been a challenge to find gear for like that's specifically geared toward women? Because I know in some other sports, it's kind of a it's kind of difficult. Like everybody's just built. They like a lot of the gear is built to, like the guy size, the guy body type. Has that been an issue? Um, yes and no. Um, obviously NRS and Astral. Um, and Coke Tent now, I believe as well. Those are some of the bigger brands that do life jackets. Um, they have lady specific ones. Um, I do know at the time when I started guiding, they didn't have any lady specific rescue jackets. And as a guide, you have to have a rescue jacket just in case there was a situation where you need to go rescue somebody. Um, but obviously now I think with that introduction to more women in the sport, you can find a lot of women specific colors, um, you know, styles and fits that kind of allow for the female frame and body to fit better. Um, which I think is helpful, obviously right now in our industry, it's wild, the supply chain issues and Uh, COVID and the fact that, you know, after that first stimulus check showed up, what, a year and a half ago, everybody, you know, everybody was scared. They're going to lose your job, like losing jobs and all of these. And then that stimulus check showed up and they're like, well, we can't do anything but go outdoors. So let's just buy a bunch of gear. So it's just been a very weird time to get anything. And so it's like, I need a new dry suit, but I've been waiting two years because you can't find one in my size you know the yeah. fact that i found a mountain bike last summer like blew me away Random. i feel you on the bike thing like i bought a gravel bike and it took like nine months to a year for me to actually get it in my size because i had to get the biggest one and they don't make a lot of them right no i got super lucky i randomly called i was like i don't think i'm gonna get a bike this year this this sucks and i randomly called i think it was reed cycle here in town and they're like, yeah, we have the exact bike you want in a small and a medium. Cause I float between the two sizes. And I was like, really? I was like, well, you, you hold sure? them both till four o'clock. <laughs> I can't get off work yet. And they're like, sure. But you know, not everybody had that luck, you know, but that's the only catch right now is finding gears hard. Um, there's a couple of like all female whitewater pages I belong to like on Facebook where it's women from all over the country that are either getting into the sport have been in the sport you know that have questions and it's been a great place for you know people selling old gear you know that they might have used once or twice or you know women asking for what life jacket fits you best like what life jacket do you like you know what kayak do you like you know i'm gonna go float this river has anybody been on it you know it's so it's that's another good place to kind of look and find gear 
or just get opinions on, you know, what works well for you. Because don't get me wrong, there's definitely some male life jackets that I think are very comfortable. But, you know, at the same time, my female specific life jacket is the one I go to most. It's not a rescue one, but it's lightweight and comfortable and fits me really well. I just feel like I'm getting hugged all day on my <laughs> That sounds like a win. Yeah. Hugs yeah. yeah. <laughs> on the river with beer. Yeah. <laughs> right in your little pocket. As long as it has the beer pocket, you're okay. Right? Oh, yeah. I'm sure my boss would love to hear me say that. <laughs> we drink responsibly, people. Very of like course. So this is a question that I think I'm just going to ask every guest that we have on. And I think, like I said it before, it kind of keeps us all modest. So what is the biggest mistake you've ever made in the outdoors? Like we talked about mine last time with our other buddy, Alex, where we swam out to an island and almost died. Um, That was really dumb. And I'm very lucky to have survived it. So I like to hear kind of, Hopefully, no, everybody didn't do things as stupid as I did. But You, you know, that one actually kind of stumped me a little bit when I was just like, mistakes. Obviously, there's plenty of mis- like stupid mistakes that you make, right? Um, I think one of the biggest ones was before we actually got to the wilderness. There was a group of us um, getting ready to leave on a Maine salmon trip, and we were in a big bus you know, that we had chartered to drive us out there. And halfway there, we realized we forgot the fire pan, which is required to go on the the main salmon. (laughs) So luckily we were able to call Mackie, who I used to guide for. And they're like, yes, you can stop in Stanley and pick one up out. (laughs) So that was like a big mistake. So if, you know, there's something that you need. Um, Another mistake I think I make every time, and maybe this is like such a girl thing, is I overpack. I am a natural overpacker. And yes, it sucks when backpacking, but I'm the one that has to deal with it. Um, But I always seem to have gear for friends. Like somebody forgets, you know, a a rain jacket comes to mind easy. Somebody forgets a rain jacket. Or, you know, I always pack a ratty pair of Uggs for the river. (laughs) And I remember the first night, every time I pull them out, people are like, what? You brought Uggs on the river? And I'm like, after your feet have been in the water and cold, I just don't want sand on them. So I put some wool socks on and put Uggs on. And yes, sometimes it's overkill. It's hot out. But my feet are warm and they're dry and I'm comfortable. And Mm -hmm. usually by night three, everybody's like, oh, we should have brought Uggs. (laughs) (laughs) Stuff like that. Um, You know, there's been times where somebody left the propane on and we end up running out of propane by night three and we still have two more nights for dinner. So we're better build a big old fire. Stuff yeah. like that. Um, I wouldn't say anything. I mean, there's definitely been scary moments um, and close calls, but nothing where I would call them mistakes. It's just unfortunate accidents, I guess. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Minor mishaps. Minor yeah. mishaps. That's a much better term. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Is there anything you want to talk about other yeah, than rafting? Like, 
know. Um, oh, I, I don't know. I've been thinking about rafting all day for you guys. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think, I mean, when it comes to, I mean, we kind of touched on this, but like rafting being a male dominated sport or most of the outdoor sports I do are male dominated, you know, backcountry skiing, rafting. Um, I used to rock climb, not so much anymore. You know, you see females out there, but not a ton. Um, and I think, I think one of your guys' questions were a challenge of being a female and yeah. male dominated mm-hmm. uh, sport. Um, and I think it's important to touch on, I think one of the biggest challenges I see or that I faced was just finding my voice and being confident in my skills. Obviously I am confident in my skills now, but it took a lot of learning to get there. And I feel like sometimes it's really hard to speak out when you're in an uncomfortable situation, especially um, with somebody of the opposite gender and in a sport that's, you know, mostly men finding that voice is important. So you can, you can say how you feel and, um, and, you know, hopefully get a little bit of understanding. Um, I think a lot of times it's, it's kind of nice to have a female in your group, especially like in backcountry skiing, because, um, you know, you know, like you get to the top and you, you dig and you check the snow and, I might not feel comfortable, but the guys, of course, no offense. Sometimes you get these egos that like, oh, I'm better than him. I can do this. Like, I'm, you know, even though you might be a little hesitant and, you know, me, like I could be up there and my gut could be like, yeah, it looks okay, but I'm not sure, you know, maybe we go a different route, you know, safer. And I think it's smart, you know, once you do find that voice or feel comfortable to be able to say something, because when you finally do say, hey, you know, I, I, I don't agree with this. You know, sometimes I've had an experience where a couple of the guys that were there were like, oh yeah, actually I agree with Alex. You know, it's, it's like the moment a female says something, it kind of breaks the ice almost. It's good to have that differing opinion sometimes, you know? And so then it, it gives you potentially, you know, the little, you can brush it off as well. Well, Alex doesn't feel comfortable. So let's try and make her feel comfortable. Even, you know, <laughs> even though it's really you, <laughs> it's really the guy's like, I don't like this. Right. <laughs> doesn't want to be. Yeah. Cause yeah. Like you said, guys, we do have a tendency to let our egos kind of control things. Well, and, and like, <laughs> there's no offense to that. And I could say, Oh no, no. And it's real. It's real. <laughs> it's a thing. And like, yeah. I didn't, I don't feel like I ever, I mean, I've recognized it in whitewater, but I think I mainly saw it last year in backcountry because I was skiing with, you know, ex racers and U.S. ski teamers and these guys that were very talented skiers. And I would not say I am an amazing skier, but I like can hang. Right. And so, you know, there was a couple situations where that probably would have been fine to go down that shoe or that face. But I personally didn't feel comfortable. So I went a different route. And usually one or two people would follow and you know, it was fine, but, and it would have been fine to go where they went, but I was glad that I spoke up and I said that I was uncomfortable. Um, I guess like a good example when it comes to rafting was, um, 
I think it was two years ago now, a group of us did Hell's Canyon. And this is a group that we've ran the main salmon, the middle fork, you know, day trips, a couple of just overnighter quickies. Um, so we're all relatively comfortable with each other. Um, and we were getting to the the bigger rapids on hell. So I think we were at Wild Sheep. And um, those of us rowing, you know, parked our boats to go up and scout just to double check. You know, nothing had really moved because none of us had run it in a couple of years. And I remember me, I was the only female and we had four other four other guys with us. And so we all walked up. We're all kind of standing there. Not Nobody's really saying anything. And this one guy, you know, he looks and then just turns around and starts going. And I was like, whoa, where are you running? And like, I don't usually say anything because I, like I said, I read the water different. So I use it as long as we're all going in the general right direction. I'm good. But I'm not going to tell somebody, oh, you should pull into that and use the slack water because they aren't going to know, right? And this guy, you know, looks at it, starts leaving. I was like, oh, hey, where are you running? And he goes, oh, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, that sounds great. I go, but I will suggest, you know, pointing your bow at 10 or 11 o'clock down at that last wave. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, behind that wave is a lateral that if you get too far left, that wave coming from your left could flip your boat if you don't square up to it. And he's like, there's no wave back there. And I was like, no, I promise you, there is a wave back there. Just, you know, point your nose that way just in case. Because what will happen is that you'll hit it and that wave will just take you right into this other little chute, basically, to finish the rest of the rapid. And he's like, Ugh, okay. And then we get through the rapid, right? And we all kind of met up because you just kind of want to get through that excitement. And he... He's like, hey, Alex, thanks for letting me know about that lateral. <laughs> and at that moment, it like made me feel really good that I like spoke yeah. up and that, um, you know, proud of myself and making, you know, just nobody likes to flip a fully loaded boat for four days <laughs> back over. <laughs> so it, was um, it was nice that, you know, he took what I said in consideration. Um, and yeah, thank you for it. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah, thank you was huge because then that instantly, you know, kind of gave me confidence in the fact that, you know, they do respect me and my skills enough to, you know, take my knowledge and opinions into consideration because some, you know, somebody could have just been like, she doesn't know what she's doing. But instead he was like, Oh, thanks for letting me know. I wouldn't want to flip my boat back over. It's like, cause you know, he did get a little left, but that's to be expected. You can't control everything. And as long as you prepare, you're good, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So I, I refer to that as groupthink. Yeah. You have to break the groupthink because generally folks follow the loudest, most the person who speaks the loudest with the most confidence. Right. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, you're right. You're, it's really important to speak up. It, because that's really where risk is mitigated, at least in my, from my experience. No. Yeah. <laughs> and I just think in overall life, like if you're not going to mm -hmm. be able to like take charge and speak, not necessarily speak your mind, but like defend yourself or voice your opinions 
like you're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to get that next promotion if you're not willing to ask for it. You're not going to get, you know, the full respect or, you know, that you deserve if you're not going to be at least try to present your ideas, you know, things like that. So I just think it's a good skill to be learned. And then obviously the more you find that voice, the easier it is to help you in situations anywhere, whether it's outdoors or just general life. I would even expand on that to say it's okay to speak up when you don't know or you don't understand too, because that's how everybody gets better and learns too. Yeah. And and that could give opportunities for other people to go, Oh, I actually can help with this. I can help you do this. And then we all grow, get better together. Or it can flip it and people go, (laughs) Oh, actually I don't know either. Whenever I think about it. Yeah. (laughs) And then it's like, well, let's try it together. Yep. Exactly. Now I think to be a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I think it just admitting that you don't know. I mean, that's really hard for anybody. Yeah, it's and scary. I think in the outdoors, especially in rafting or any sort of sport where there's a little bit of risk, it's okay to say you don't know. And it's okay to ask what somebody else is thinking. You know, like I would love your suggestion. It needs to be a collaborative sport. Obviously you need to trust in your skills and that you can do it. But if you, you know, is that, are you sure that's the right run? You know, like we, um, I was at, uh, in West Virginia for Golly Fest a few years back before COVID with a couple of coworkers and the three of us are really good boaters, you know, and we can read water. And so we just figured we'd read and run the whole upper Golly. Thankfully, at the put-in, we met these guys that were like, oh, we run it multiple times every year when it opens. Like, if you can keep up, you can follow us. So we're like, we can keep up. And there was a couple rapids where we were so grateful that we had them to follow because one of the guys was like, hey, how do you guys think you'd run this? And I was like, oh, I think you'd enter, you know, right of center and you're going to push center and then cut all the way back over right. And he goes, wrong. I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, it looks that way, but there's, you know, this, this, and this. And if you go over that wave, there's like this sharp rock that'll tear your boat. And, and so as you're going through these rapids, you're like, oh my God, I'm so glad there was somebody there that knew what they were doing because we would have been yeah. screwed. Yeah, a whole different outcome. <laughs> right? So it's like, I mean, obviously that's an extreme situation, but, you know, I agree. Just asking the questions. Don't be afraid. Speaking of asking questions, if uh, if people are looking to find more information about rafting or whitewater, where are some places they can they can look? Um, I guess I'll break it into two. Sure. Um, locally um, in Idaho, we have Idaho Rivers United as well as um, Idaho Whitewater Association that have a lot of good tools and resources on their website. Um, also more in Boise area, we have Idaho River Sports and um, Alpenglow that are, you know, more shops that have gear, but they also can kind of, they have this weird little community where they'll do, I wouldn't say, I shouldn't say weird, that's terrible. They have these communities (laughs) where, you know, they'll do little studies or classes at night and it can, you know, groups of 
like-minded rafters or people can come together. So, you know, obviously if it's something that you're interested in, you know, go and kind of become one with that community. And so, you know, it's nice to start with your local shops and your local um, whitewater associations if you have whitewater in your area. And then I think broadly, a great resource is American Whitewater. Um, they do a lot of stewardship on rivers all over the U.S. Um, as well as, you know, you can find a bunch of things on safety, you know, how to be a good, um, how to be paddle wise. I think they teamed up with NRS for that one, where it was like different things of to remember while you're going out on the weekend, especially for all the new entrants that we've seen in the last two years. Um, they also have water reports and, you know, just some little guides and tips and tricks. Um, and then I would say lastly, and I'm sure there's plenty of more, obviously there's hundreds of Facebook groups you can probably join <laughs> of like-minded people, you know, that'd be willing to be like, Hey, yeah, come, we're doing this. We'll outfit you and give you a safety talk. Um, but, um, forums, uh, mountain buzz is a really good forum where it's just kind of like open where people will pose a question and you have an account and you can comment back and forth. So obviously like specifically for ladies, maybe if you, you weren't having luck somewhere else, maybe posting a question up there and see how many ladies you can get responses from, um, things like that. I'm sure awesome. there's plenty of other places and I'm just being such a, no, that, that was a, that sounded like an exhaustive list to me. That's a good place to start. <laughs> and if anything comes to mind, you can always let us know and we'll yeah. add it to. And I can throw it in the show. I notes. mean, those are like the local ones. And then obviously American Whitewater is the big, the big one. But um, obviously I think state specific, there's different ones depending on where you're at. So. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I think with that, yeah. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Alex. This has been really, really great. So uh, yeah, I guess we're just going to kind of bring it home if everybody's cool with that. So Alex, uh, do you have anything well, you want? Oh, wait. Oh, well, oh, I was something. thinking that we should probably just touch on it again, that if you are interested in rafting or doing that, that the recommendation is to go with an experience guide or a guide service to yeah. do that. Um, this is not a sport that you want to take or undertake on your own as a novice. Um, <laughs> as, as Alex has said, very high risk, high, you know, high reward, but it's, it's not really worth that risk in, in the beginning. Um, there's a lot of experience. Um, plus it's just fun to go with a guide. Um, mm -hmm. You don't just get the experience of, you know, going down and cruising a river they're usually local. Um, they have, they know the history of areas, uh, uh, geology, uh, ecology. I don't know. You, you can learn a lot of things. And that's one thing um, that I really enjoyed about the trips that I've been on is that interaction and just uh, deeper experience. So I wanted to put that plug in there before we get too far that no, this no, is not fair. something yeah, where you go, <laughs> where you go buy a boat and go, guess what? We're going out this weekend and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Safety first. Make sure you have the right gear. Make sure you know what you're doing. If you don't, like you said, go with an experienced person, experienced guide, 
outfitting service. I think, you know, a good example of your local to Idaho, there's plenty of guide services, you know, for a day trip up in the Banks area. And then obviously, if you want to go on something a little bit more adventurous, think of guide services in Stanley, like, like Mackie Wilderness, and you can do a week long trip, you know, but definitely it's not a sport to just buy a boat and jump into. Definitely do your research and learn. <laughs> Make good life choices. That's yes, please. <laughs> you know, it's like the better your choices, the better our sport looks and, you know. Um, and the better the experience. Yeah, true. Yeah. And don't forget, like, Rafi guys are pretty rad. Like, everyone I've ever met has always been a really cool person. So I think it draws a very specific type of person. Really cool stories and, like, these backgrounds. It's like, how'd you get here? What do you do in your (laughs) off-season? Some of them are like, oh, I go to Costa Rica or I go to Nicaragua and I do this and I do that. And like, wow, you guys do way cool. (laughs) I go work on my (laughs) off-season. Trevor, we're in the wrong industry. I, I know, man. I think it's time for a career change. <laughs> well, but all right, I think it's uh, I think it's time to bring it home. Alex, is there anything you want to plug? Anything you're up to you think is cool and everybody else should know about? You know, um, like thanks for having me on. It's been great. It's definitely well, nice to talk about something that I love and that I'm passionate about. Um, obviously, everybody's welcome to follow me. I post about my rafting adventures quite often. Um, I'm on Instagram. I think it's akaldacoa is my handle. Um, or you can follow a bunch of, I mean, pretty much everything I do work-wise is um, we're Air Whitewater and then Outcast Sporting Gear are our handles. Um, so if you're into fishing, hit up Outcast. <laughs> if you want to know a little bit more about Whitewater um, and just kind of Air's background, obviously, Air Whitewater's place to look but yeah awesome and i'll put all those in the show notes so people can find you and uh yeah um, i'm on instagram at trevor bowman b-o-l-l-m-a-n-n kyle doesn't have social media so if you're in boise wave at people named kyle you'll <laughs> you'll find him eventually uh what else so if you uh want to Get a hold of us. You can email the podcast at adventuringformeremortals at gmail.com. Uh, we also have a Discord that all that's in the show notes. So you can find that there. Um, and uh, yeah, if you anybody liked what you're hearing, write a review and give us a rating on any of those podcasting apps. And if you give us a five-star rating, no matter what you say, within some bounds. I will read it on air as long as you're not very vulgar and cursing at us. Um, but, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Alex, thanks again for coming on and um, until next month, uh, we'll see y'all later. Bye y'all. Take care. <laughs> Bye.